The line of cars and people waiting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border is so big and so long, it's got its own gravitational pull. It's created this whole world of its own, an ecosystem that swirls all around it. Dozens of vendors wander through the massive parking lot of a line at the port between Tijuana and San Diego, selling burritos, churros, blankets, and other little trinkets to people stuck waiting in their cars, sometimes for hours on end. I really try not to see the line as a drag because I gotta do it anyway, and sometimes getting angry or frustrated is just gonna make it worse. But sometimes it just is a drag. I really try to do my best to stay creative and entertained, so I bought a little ukulele guitar hybrid to pass the time. The people in the line, most of us anyway, were used to the wait. This huge uncertainty of never knowing exactly how long the line will be. You think you figured it out, and then you go back the exact same time on the same day the following week, and it's just completely different. But just because we're used to the line doesn't mean we wouldn't love for it to go away. What do you think of the line? Like, what do you, do you like waiting in line? No, nobody does. <laughs> Only here producer Kinsey Moreland and I recently fanned out across the lines of traffic at the border to ask some of the people why they were waiting in line and what it's like. How long did you wait today? Today, like an uh, hour and a half, probably. Dos horas. como una hora casi. Last time, uh, when I waited a uh, long time, I waited to cross the border for six hours and a half. Uh, reading book or on the phone and listen music. Watch on uh, Netflix or just um, hear music, eat cookies, coffee, eat everything, no? <laughs> everything we can eat. <laughs> Do you like crossing the line every day to go to school? Yeah. Yeah, you don't mind it? How do, you, uh, how do you entertain yourself? You playing chess? Yeah. Do you, do you know how to play? Yeah? No? Ahorita, ¿qué hace cruzando hoy? Ahorita voy a trabajar. Tortillas de harina, gorditas de harina. Te va a ir bien, te va a ir bien. Well, we are crossing between the border and Mexico. Okay. Yeah. 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 La Mission, so, so we come here often. Uh, to cross the border to going to work. Well, I married a girl down in Mexico and I'm waiting for paperwork to pass, so we're taking a lot longer than we thought, but that's what's happening. You, you know it's part of the show. It's part of the show. You gotta uh, have your mindset that this is gonna happen, it's gonna happen. It's muy estresante, enfadoso. It's like, for me it's normal, you know? If you compare with other kind of uh, things to do, it's normal. What is important is the restroom part. Because if you're driving on your own, 
you have to be prepared to do not use the restroom for like three hours. Uh, I've seen some people that they have uh, little bottles or to improvise. A shorter line would be a thing of beauty. The long line is actually a problem that the federal governments and local business leaders on both sides of the border are trying to solve. Because the border equals money. I'm Alan Lilienthal, and you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about unexplored subcultures, creativity, and struggles at the U.S.-Mexico border. Today a story about the unpredictable beast that is the borderline and a tech entrepreneur who's trying to tame it. We'll be right back. Donations come in many forms. A sustaining membership, a one-time gift, even that extra vehicle you no longer need. Learn more about the advantages of donating a vehicle. Here's how. Go to kpbs.careasy.org or call 877-KPBS-CAR. Over 100,000 people cross through the San Diego-Tijuana border every single day. It's the most crossed border in the Western Hemisphere. There are 62 inspection booths, one dedicated bus lane, two different pedestrian crossings, and 34 vehicle lanes. But it seems like no matter how many lanes are open or how many border agents are on duty, is just never enough. Because especially when there's an incident and someone is caught doing something illegal, or even when someone who's not doing anything wrong is sent to what's called secondary inspection, delays happen. A 2006 report from a San Diego government agency estimates that the border delays cost the region billions of dollars in potential revenues every year, with most of those losses coming from retail sales. I mean, a ton of people going through the border every day from Tijuana to San Diego are crossing to either buy stuff, go to work, or go to school. And all of those things generate money for the region. Plus, a lot of valuable goods are being shipped through the border every single day. The government is working on speeding things up at the San Diego-Tijuana border. Just last year, the federal government cut the ribbon on a decade-long expansion and renovation project at the San Isidro Port of Entry. On Tuesday morning, officials from San Diego and Tijuana marked the finished project. The improvements include 62 northbound inspection lanes and a highway realignment that dramatically expands the number of cars that could head southbound. But even with all those improvements, the lines are still usually super long. And one projection from a local government organization in San Diego is saying we can expect up to 50% growth in vehicle traffic through the San Isidro port of entry by 2040. That's really just not what I want to hear. I mean, it's great that our region is growing and there's more people crossing, but it means we can expect another car for every two that cross the border today. And that could happen in just 20 years. That's a ton for a land border crossing that's already one of the busiest in the world. There just has to be a better solution. For now and the foreseeable future, border crossers like me just have to make the best of it. And we do that by using the tools we have to try to avoid the border when it's at its worst 
and drive through it when it's at its best. Like, for example, there's a Facebook group called Como Esta La Línea Tijuana, where it's almost 400,000 members share status updates about the line. Every once in a while, it's a happy update with photos or a video of a completely clear and open line. No hay cola, así que los que quieran venir, que se vengan. No hay nada de cola. Por ninguna parte, ni caminando. No hay caminando, nomás en la Rating Line hay como unos 10 carros. Está solo. Bueno, pues. More commonly, though, it's people posting the cry face emoji alongside photos of long, twisting lines of people and cars. Güey, qué pedo, transmitiendo en vivo, en el lugar de los hechos. Lamento informarles que el día de hoy la línea se ha complicado un poco en la garita de Chaparral. Then there's the live traffic cam you can look at and make a guess as to how long you think it'll take. Okay, it's 9.07 a.m. on Friday. Um, I gotta cross to San Diego. So I'm gonna check to see how long the wait is. And last on most people's list is the official info from U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. The info is usually pretty inaccurate and almost always unhelpful. But they recently updated it. Let's give it a go. Uh, it's at 40 minutes right now. I guess we'll see if that's true or not. <laughs> I just got in line. I guess we'll see how long it is. So I'm near the front of the line, I'm one car away, and it's only 10.18. So I guess the government website wasn't accurate, but said it was gonna be 40 minutes, and it's been like 23 minutes. Oh, I love days like this. kinds of really impressive economic figures that get thrown around when people talk about the border crossing and the money it brings to both sides. Most people agree that every year, the crossing in San Isidro and Otay Mesa bring in billions to the region because of all those shoppers, workers, and students crossing every day, plus the billions of dollars worth of goods that crisscross this border on a regular basis. And when it comes to money lost because of delays at the border, most agree that the number is also in the billions. It's those really big dollar figures that are driving business groups like the Smart Border Coalition in San Diego to figure out how to make the border more fluid so more money can flow to both sides. Shall we start? Yes, let's get started. <laughs> Good evening, thank you everybody. And we are delighted to be here hosting this Border Innovation Challenge. Last year, San Diego and Tijuana business leaders who are part of a group called the Smart Border Coalition partnered with the UC San Diego for a competition that asked people to submit their ideas related to improving the border crossing experience. The Border Innovation Challenge put up $20,000 in cash prizes to help fund the best ideas. Five finalists ended up pitching their ideas in front of a panel of judges and a live audience at UCSD. We talked to a few of the teams before they got on stage. One of them was Leonardo Trujillo from the Instituto Tecnológico de Tijuana. So the idea is to embed that chip on sensors that can be used on new Internet of Things uh, technologies for the border. 
for example, to follow crates, uh, people, vehicles. Mauricio de Oliveira, a professor of engineering at UC San Diego, was pitching an idea for an app he says could speed up the transportation of patients from one side of the border to the other. They cannot cross the border. Right? So the way it works today is as an ambulance uh, hits the border, a second emergency call is made to a U.S. crew. And, and uh, that's what try to, uh, you know, uh, improve the service there, the, the transfer from one side to the other by allowing the, the teams to communicate. Luis Lomelli, an engineer with a software company in Mexicali, was pitching a mobile app that would gather data from people waiting in line at the border. So we can use this data and accumulate it to, in the future, predict waiting lines for when the user is like, oh, you want to go Saturday morning? Oh, just ask our application and we can tell you the time is going to be, uh, the line is going to be this long and you can go at this time. Cheslav Versky, a San Diego software engineer with a company called Curbside Labs, had a pitch for technology that would provide more detailed data about border crossing. And Hector Rodriguez and Jose Trevino, two entrepreneurs from Mexico, made a pitch for a cross-border booking system that would use the same kind of technology Disneyland and Disney World use for speeding up ride lines to make freight shipping lines at the Otay Mesa port of entry more efficient. After the five teams made their pitches, the judges and audience voted. I think we have the decision. <laughs> Gracias, okay. Gustavo. Thank you, everybody. So now let's invite our Dean to come again, our wonderful Dean Sullivan, who has the information. The grand prize. Curbside laughs. <laughs> and now we want to invite everybody to come and take a picture. All of them are winners. When we come back, I'll tell you all about the guy behind Curbside Labs and his winning idea. Stick around. This is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can, all right? Thanks. Cheslav Versky is standing in front of a mall that sits just a few yards away from the U.S.-Mexico border. The shopping center's parking lot literally ends right at the thick metal slats that make up the border fence. You can park your car and walk to Taco Bell and the border fence within 10 seconds of each other. Hey, how's it going? Alan. Nice to meet you, Chesla. Nice to meet you, too. Kinsey. Kinsey. Nice to meet you as well. Today, Border Patrol agents are sitting inside their SUVs parked on a road that runs next to the fence, watching for people from Mexico trying to sneak into the U.S. 
And just a few feet away from the Border Patrol car is a tow truck. The truck driver is parked in the mall parking lot, watching for people in San Diego trying to take advantage of the shopping center's free parking so they can walk through the nearby pedestrian port of entry for a quick trip to Tijuana. Cheslav is here amid the crisscrossing traffic at the border, scouting locations, looking at businesses that might let him mount his expensive 3D cameras on their rooftops. And in fact, this one is looking out at the, at the location that we're quite interested in because uh, this is uh, uh, the West Pedestrian Crossing. Cheslav is CTO and co-founder of a company called Curbside Labs. He's the guy who made the winning pitch at the Border Innovation Challenge last year. At the event, he wore jeans and a hoodie, sporting the iconic look and spirit of a Mark Zuckerberg-like tech guru. Today, he's dressed a little more professionally, wearing glasses, a button-up shirt, and jeans. And just by the way he walks around the mall analyzing things, you can tell he's a math-minded dude, someone who sees the invisible numbers behind everything. Like when we walk by a Taco Bell inside the mall, he can't help but launch into the economics and mechanics of loyalty programs that offer things like free tacos in exchange for your personal information. Cheslav's winning idea is, at its core, simply better, cleaner data. He wants to mount fancy, smart cameras on both sides of the border that he says will collect crossing data at a level it's just never been collected before. His idea won't make the borderline any shorter, per se, but it could make the unpredictable beast into a much more predictable one. And with predictability comes more economic opportunity and hopefully better solutions for shorter waits. So, an impact of such a crossing is, is tremendous. And uh, now, if you look at the efficiencies at the border and, uh, and, and what happens and what is the, the actual end result of delays at the border and increased delays at the border, it results into you know, very large numbers. So, depending on how you look at uh, the the current inefficiency at the border is estimated to be between seven and eight billion dollars a year. So, it's a, you know, it's a humongous, you know, humongous impact. So if that can be improved in any particular way, I mean, you improve it to 10%, well, you know, we can all do the math. That's you know, closer to a billion dollars, right, improvement. Yes, it's hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So here's how it'll all work. Cheslav is working on putting cameras in San Diego and Tijuana. The smart devices will be pointed toward the border and collect highly accurate information about how people move into, around, and through the lines. Cheslav is most excited about the technology's potential for collecting frequency data. Like, this particular person crossed from Tijuana to San Diego, then he crossed back to TJ, and then back to SD, and back and forth again five times in one week. That's the insane level of detail he says his cameras can provide. And if you're freaking out about privacy and surveillance concerns, Cheslav would say, don't worry about it because these cameras aren't collecting footage in the traditional sense. Instead, they recognize facial features, run the info through an algorithm, and produce the anonymous data. The person who's crossing back and forth five times a week is never identified. Still, surveillance stuff like this makes a lot of people nervous because of its potential for abuse. Anyway, Cheslav's plan is to feed the crossing data collected by the cameras to Google and other navigation services that people are already using. 
Then people like me can just turn on whatever app we use to get driving directions like Waze or Apple Maps, and the border crossing information would be a lot more accurate and detailed than it is right now. And of course, the better that information is, the more people can use it to plan their trips with as little waiting time as possible. And on the commercial side, if the cameras were also then mounted in Otai, where freight trucks cross, they could provide a lot more detailed, timely data about the quantity and value of goods going through. The way Cheslov's company plans to make money off the technology is to sell this more detailed information to companies that cross the border. Businesses that buy the data would be better equipped to streamline their border crossing trips. The much more detailed and accurate historical data would help them plan future routes and avoid money-sucking waits at the border. And then on the government side of things, Cheslov sees a future where his company is the one hired to do a recurring study that estimates the economic impact of the wait at the border. The next border delay study is set to come out at the end of 2020, but by then, Cheslov thinks the info in it will already be outdated. He's confident his method will produce better, real-time data with a much longer shelf life. And his idea scales. Of course, you know, this is not just one, uh, this is just one region. I mean, there are no, lots no, of other, yes, there are other, it's, it's, it's a technology that's, uh, that's widely applicable to basically any you know, border crossing out there. After winning the Border Innovation Challenge, Cheslov now has to find places on both sides of the border to put his cameras. So we're hoping that we, we can install half of them on this side of the border and half of them on the other side of the border. And what that entails is that uh, it's likely going to require us to, to secure permissions you know, from the real estate owners for you know, different places where you know, the cameras are going to be placed. On the U.S. side, Cheslov is already in conversation with the mall owners about mounting his cameras there. If he gets the green light, It'll give the cameras a crystal clear view of both the east and west pedestrian crossings, plus the dozens of lanes of vehicle traffic. But it's slower going when it comes to finding property owners in Tijuana who will let him mount his cameras on their businesses, mostly because the very problem he's trying to solve, the long wait time, makes it hard for him to cross the border, scout locations, and get back to San Diego in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, you know, lots of times you go here and uh, you're like, well, I mean, can I go across? And I've actually spoken to agents quite a number of times, kind of on our side of the border. Okay, if I go, if I go across, I mean, how long do you think it's going to take me to come back? And they're like, well, you know, it's you know, three and a half hours. Cheslav is kind of the perfect person to be working on helping make some sense of the border weight mess. He grew up in the Soviet Union with a single mom. He's Jewish, so he and his mom were part of a big wave of Jewish refugees who emigrated to the U.S. or Israel in the 90s because of turmoil in the Soviet Union. It was a scary and dangerous time for Jews there. The minute Cheslav and his mom left the crumbling country, they were completely stripped of their citizenship. So, uh, so as we crossed the border with the Soviet Union, we were citizens of no country until we were admitted somewhere else. Cheslov says the experience was chaotic, but he's hesitant to say it was too hard for him or his mom. Mostly, he feels lucky. He says the thing that actually haunts him the most about his cross-country journey wasn't moving to a new place where he knew no one and didn't speak the language. Instead, when Cheslov talks about the experience now, 
he gets most upset about how messy the system for tracking immigrants was. If he or his mom had lost their papers, or there had been some other snafu or mix-up when it came to their identity, things could have gone really, really wrong very quickly. Even back then, as a teenage refugee, he had the urge to bring order to the chaos of what he saw as an inefficient system. This urge of his is powered by his desire to keep people from feeling so close to losing absolutely everything just because of a lack of information. And I have to say that, uh, I have to confess, there is always, in my mind at least, I mean, some other people may be different, but in my mind, uh, I still have to deal, you know, to this day with this sort of, you know, fear, right? I mean, there was, you know, the fear that got instilled in me in a relatively early age that, uh, yeah, I could be, like, I can end up being without any support on the street. And so you, you always try to, to, you know, to put as much distance between that kind of in your mind. So you're, you're never quite, you know, there. You're like, okay, I mean, I'm as far out, you know, from that point where, and I've been close to that. Mm-hmm. Right, and you're you're trying to, to sort of separate yourself from it as much as possible, and so that's why that, that gives you this extra motivation to, you know, to kind of go forward, right? Because I mean, if you're not moving, moving forward, then you're kind of sliding, you know, backwards into that situation. Do you think your difficulties in leaving and entering nations in the past has to do with your motivation in doing this? I certainly do have that perspective. I mean, sometimes I mean I may not immediately think about that, but I do have that perspective in mind. I mean. It, uh, those experiences, I mean, they are not necessarily foreign to me. So for Cheslav, he wasn't necessarily drawn to the border because of his own personal border crossing experience. But it is related because his immigration experience made him want to solve government inefficiencies. When he looks at the mess of cars and people stuck in line at the border, the economist inside of him sees lost opportunities and a real lack of good data being put to good use. Cheslav imagines infinite ways in which the data his cameras collect could ultimately be used. Other people will see things he doesn't. The data will inspire innovation. And maybe one of those yet-to-be-invented tools will actually make both the commercial and non-commercial crossing lines a lot shorter. I think the data will, will kind of speak for itself. I mean, people are going to figure out, you know, what they want to use the data for. I mean, you know, we have figured out a couple of things that, you know, it can be used for. And it's certainly something that should allow us to, to continue to exist and provide that information. But uh, it remains to be seen what else it can be used for. Cheslav says he is getting closer to getting his cameras installed on both sides of the border. Meanwhile, the Smart Border Coalition, the group that helped put together the border innovation challenge that Cheslav won, is still looking for more ideas to improve the crossing experience. So keep dreaming them up, y'all. A shorter line would be awesome for everybody. Next time on the podcast, tacos in Tijuana. It's not like a taco shell like you'd have a Taco Bell. It's a nice, crispy, fresh corn tortilla. It's just savory. The beauty is delicious, and you can't go wrong. We're launching a new series of in-studio conversations with cross-border people about food, art, and culture. In the first one, we talk about tacos in Tijuana with the guy behind a gringo in Mexico. 
a website that's all about food and culture south of the border. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. Both KPBS reporter Eric Anderson and audio producer and consultant Curtis Fox helped edit the script. If you're into it, you can always call 619-452-0228 and leave us a voicemail to let us know what you thought of this episode or just to say what's up. Thank you. Thank you.